Hi. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood. A neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, might as well say, Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? No, wrong part. Hi, television neighbor. My name is Mr. Edwards. Welcome to my neighborhood. Actually, my name is Ed Hires. I'm one of the pastors here. And how many of you at some point or your kids have... Am I, do I have my mic on? Oh, that's why you're not happy with me, are you? Yeah, I thought that. Just hang with me. I'll be together here. You're welcome. Oh, here we go. Boy, glad Mr. Rogers didn't have this problem. He looks stupid. <laughs> so how many of you have ever watched or had your kids watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Yes. Look at the hands, huh? Well, here's something you may not know about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The first time it was played in the U.S. started in Canada, but the first time it was played in the U.S. was in 1968, and it ran consecutively to 2001, 33 years. You know, I was with my daughter and son-in-law last night, and I was telling them what we were doing today, and her first thing was, oh, I loved Mr. Rogers. So, you know, with King Friday and Sarah, whatever, Saturday, and whatever the other ones were, so many people watched that. 33 years. There's only one show, one children's show, that had a longer run than that. Sesame Street, exactly, but that's not the end of the story. Twelve years later, we would see, what's the name of the animated show? Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which is a spinoff of that. So that was amazing. So you ask, what does that have to do with anything that we might be talking about today? Well, actually, it ties in perfectly, because this is the start of our new series, The Art of Neighboring, all right? And... Our message today, a little spin on the title, is the, oh, you put it, the art of neighboring, that's right, it is, please won't you be a neighbor, okay, please won't you be a neighbor. So, this ties in so well, this series, in fact, we planned it this way, to our last series of three Sundays where we talked about what? Dangerous prayers. These are prayers that if you happen to pray them, these are prayers that God loves to answer And who knows what could happen after we pray those prayers. So, what did we pray? God, make me bold. God, speak to me. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. So, today's message 
actually not about Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, but it is about my neighborhood, and it's about your neighborhood. We have this, this amazing prayer in, or long prayer from Jesus in John 17, and here's one of the verses in verse 23. Jesus says this, may they, that's, that's the Christians at the time, May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Now, this is the last recorded prayer by Jesus while he was a free man. And he's praying first for himself and what he's about to go through. And then he prays for his disciples and all the believers at that time. And then he goes on to pray for you and me. He prays for everyone yet to be born that would call upon his name. But look at this scripture. It's, you know, we, we read scriptures and we kind of move on. This is the most amazing scripture because of a, a particular reason. Here's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, member of the Trinity, and here's what he says. God loves us as much as he loved Jesus. Come on, that should hit us with amazing, amazing impact. God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. But before that part of his amazing prayer, Jesus prays, before he says that, Jesus prays this. He prays for the unity of us, of all believers. He says, when we become one, when believers live in unity with one another, people who don't know Jesus are attracted, drawn towards him, all right? And whether we realize it or not, all Christians are unified by one critical point, right? We may disagree on a lot of things, but we have one critical point as Christians that we agree on, and that was that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for you and for me, that he rose again from the dead, and we will spend all eternity with him in heaven. He said that when people are one, this beautiful mystical thing happens where people who don't know him are sucked inward toward him because of what we show in that unity. So can we just dream a little bit? Can we envision just a little bit today? And let's start to answer a question as we start this series. It's a key question. How can we take arms together as Christians? How can we take arms together as Christians? You know, what would it look like if the people of God in our neighborhoods, if we acted out this unity, wouldn't people say, wow, these people are, seem to be all one, seem to have the same message, and, and they have something I want. I remember my sister calling me after the death of my mom and the funeral, and I had brought the eulogy, and my sister Pat called me and said, Ed, I want what you have. And that was a great telephone call and made it all worthwhile. But for others to have the ability to see that unity, to, to see that and be drawn to him, okay, that is a thing that takes what? Relationship. Relationship. And relationships take time. Take time. And also they take availability and they take proximity. And that means for you and me that your neighbors, your physical neighbors where you live are great candidates for this call of God. So let me share with you a couple of questions that that I've been asking myself. This series has brought me to it as well as just 
I've asked this of myself a number of times. Do I have a dream for my neighborhood? Do I have a vision for my neighborhood coming to Christ? Do I act intentionally toward people that might be 20, 50, 100 feet right off of my front door? So I want to take you back to our first neighborhood. Not a lot of people in here would remember where I lived early on. Mr. Wallace does. Um, and I was 24. We had been here about a year in New Hampshire. And, and this was our first neighborhood as adults, as a, a married couple. And here were a couple things going on. My marriage was in great jeopardy of ending. I was a total and complete jerk. But this neighborhood couldn't have turned out to be better. Because I went there, and almost right when we got there, they invited us to a block party. Okay, give it a try. We go, and this is like the perfect block party for me. Tons of alcohol. All right? (laughs) They showed pornographic movies. Yeah, I know, huh? We had one guy that was on a motorcycle. He was drunk, and he had a woman in back of him, and he decides to pull a wheelie while they're standing in the same place. He falls back on the woman and breaks her leg. Then we have ambulances. We have police cars. And I'm thinking, whoa, did we pick a good neighborhood. I was not saved at the time. The next day, the neighbors felt compelled, several of them, to come to our door and apologize, saying that they don't know what happened. This doesn't normally go on. And I said, not to worry. This should be an annual, maybe even a quarterly event. (laughs) So... Now, fast forward to a year later. I'm saved. And you know, after you just get saved, you're like radical because my my life had been changed. And I had this fertile evangelistic field right in front of me. And and my wife and myself, we took it upon ourselves. We had a vision for that neighborhood. I don't know where Paul is. He's not here today. Are you here, Paul? Hey, Mr. Goulet, he was, one of, he was at the party. I won't even tell him what your part was. Yeah, 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 he was. Now, that guy was so lost. I mean, really, he was so lost. But, but the fact of the matter is that we now could go out, and people like Paul and others found Jesus in that block. Not everybody, but we saw some amazing things that went on there. It was just It was a time of of great, great, great celebration. But like anything else, I moved, right? And in my second neighborhood, not so much. At that point, I had Christian friends, you know, both at church. We had done a Bible study at my work. We had Christian friends there. And it, it ended up being more of a place to sleep and be there with my kids. I knew my next door neighbor, ultimately. No, I knew him right away. Uh, as we became neighbors together, another Christian, and, and we just, you know, didn't have a vision for our neighborhood. By the time I got to my third neighborhood, you know, I really wasn't very impactful at all. And by the time we got to our fourth neighborhood, I didn't even know their names. And, and you know, we finally got to a fifth neighborhood, and that, was, that is where we did have intentionality again. And we've seen, uh, Fifth Neighborhood was one up north. We've seen the ability again now to share Jesus and to share Christ. 
it, it, it is a very different feeling and a very good feeling. So that's, that's kind of like what goes on spiritually in some degree and, and what we can do, what, we, what sometimes we don't do. But let me give you a couple of facts about neighborhoods that are not Christian-based. They're just surveys that have been done. First of all, people who have close bonds with their neighbors live longer. That's good. Where people know the names of their neighbors, crimes are 60% lower. And when natural disasters or, or critical emergencies occur, your neighbors are usually and can be the first responders. But here is, here's what we, we as Christians have to look at. And we, we you know, it's not a matter of, of feeling, oh my gosh, you know, we're failing. But just to give us a sense of what is going on out there that, that again, studies have shown that, that people do not relate to their neighbors. And it doesn't matter, Christian or non-Christian. But how do we reconcile that against Jesus' command for us to love our neighbor as ourselves? You see, Jesus was the son of God. He was a genius. And he took everything there was in the Bible, and it came down to one thing. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first, and what? The greatest commandment. A second is equally, read that, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's another one. You know, Jesus loves me as much as, Father loves me as much as he loves Jesus. And now, loving my neighbor can be equated to loving God. You know, wowzers, that is just something to sink in. What would happen what would happen if you and me and every believer decided that they were going to take Jesus at his word? So this same statement, by the way, shows up in, in the book of Luke as well. And here's what uh, is said. One day an expert in the law, the religious law, stood up to test Jesus, asking him this question, Jesus, what must I do? What should I do to inherit eternal life? And he asked him, well, let me ask you this. What does Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answers with the same statement that Jesus had about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, right, right, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, he wanted to justify his actions. Why? Because Whatever reason, whether he had it on his own or God just dumped it in his heart, he said, I don't love my neighbor as myself. I know that, you know, because Jesus, you don't know how weird some of these people around me really are. And he says, to get out of it, he says, well, you know, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So Jesus goes on to tell him this story. And it's a story to expand his vision of neighbors. And he says to him this story, he starts by saying there was, a, there was a Jewish man on the road, gets beat, gets stripped, left for dead. All of a sudden, a priest, a Levitical priest walks by, sees him, and goes right past him. You know, doesn't want anything to do with it, looks bad. Um, then, like a, a synagogue worker, a temple uh, worker walks by, they, they walk across the street just to pass him. And then a Samaritan, now you have to understand, I don't have time to explain all that, but a Samaritan comes along and he sees the man, a Jew, who he hates, usually, and the Jew would hate him. 
he stops, puts them all back together as best he can, puts them on his donkey, takes them to an inn, puts them there and says, look to the innkeeper, here's quite a bit of money, keep him as long as he needs to get better. And by the way, if he goes beyond that time, I I pass through here frequently, I'll make sure that you're paid. Jesus then looks at this expert in the law and he says, so tell me, who is really the best neighbor? And he says, rightfully so, the man who showed mercy. See, I believe the intent of this story was primarily to show that no matter who the person is, no matter how you feel about them, no matter how they may be different than you or turn you off or whatever, they can be your neighbor. And for most of us here, for you and me, the most obvious, the most obvious people God puts in front of us are literally by the side of the road. They're our neighbors. They're the ones that live right around us. And for most of us here, for most of us here, that story sometimes is broadened, all right? Sometimes we see everybody as our neighbor. Well, everybody's my neighbor. The problem is, in order to be a good neighbor to anyone requires relationship. Remember we talked about that? Re- requires time and availability and proximity. And here's a statement that I know will, will maybe not ring as <laughs> true to everyone, but when you and I say everyone is our neighbor, then most times it turns out no one is our neighbor. Why is that? Because everyone is not one. It's many, many ones. And if we think in those terms, we will probably never take the time needed to invest in those that God puts around us. You see, you are called to love everyone, but only some people in our lives can be that neighbor by the side of the road that we're going to help put back together. See, there are people right across the street from me and from you that are lonely, they're troubled, they're fearful. They don't look that way when they're out on the street, but they are. I don't know their names, you don't know their names, but we know that they're there because that's what the Lord says a lot of people are. They're lost. So in, in the neighborhood, this is what usually can happen. You know, the first time you see someone, maybe you're going by, you just give them a wave. Maybe the next time you say hey or you say hello, depending on how old you are, I guess. Um, so you say, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. And then you see him again. Maybe you have a little bit longer. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Or, hey, Mike, next. I have something heavy in my garage. Can you help me with it? And then it's, hey, Mike, I see your son move back in. How's that going? You see, I want you to do this starting today. We're going to have a series on this. I want you to think about the eight closest closest household to where you live right now. The place where God has placed you. Can you, can I name the eight adults in those households? Chances are you can't. Chances are I can't. Because the vast majority of people in surveys cannot, more than half, cannot name those. 20% of the people can't name even one of their neighbors. And that's not Christians versus non-Christians. It's both. You see, this is something I... 
that we're going to challenge you on is that neighboring and being a good neighbor starts with beginning by knowing people's names. You know, you can find that out a number of different ways. You know, you can Google addresses and things like that and, and find out. But this is what happens. It takes you from being a stranger to being an acquaintance to ultimately having a relationship with them. So as we begin, can I give you some homework and give me some homework? We're about to move into a new neighborhood. And, and we have a group of houses all around us. And, and one of the things that, that Barb and I are going to do, we're going to have a vision. We have one for this neighborhood. And we're going to be intentional in that neighborhood. And we're going to start by figuring out who everybody is. Acts 17, 26, and 27 says this, For one man, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from one of us, any of us. So the question is, how did God plan on making this happen? How would that be able to happen? And I believe it's by having us love those that God puts around us and show that love, which will draw them. And I just don't know of a better group of people in proximity than our neighbors. The the text that we just read infers that we are placed somewhere We're placed specifically in the areas God places us in. See, you may live in your neighborhood because when you move there, you thought you moved there, if you're younger, for good schools for your kids. Or or maybe you moved there because it was close to something, your work or or family. Um, Maybe you moved there because, you know, the house was great. It had great curb appeal. But I want to tell you this. You moved there because God wanted you there if you're a Christian. That's why you're there. You may not realize that, but you are. Psalm 37, 23 says this, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. See, I believe when we realize this, we see the people living within steps of our front door differently. Now, just understand this. Some of your neighbors are busy. Some of your neighbors are really stretched. And, and you're, they're not going to give you time or have the ability or the desire to have a close relationship with you, that's okay. Because there are neighbors, guarantee you, of those eight that are not that way. They're really looking for you even they don't know, they don't know, they they don't even realize it. There we go, we got that out. How many hundreds of people would we be able to reach as believers if we just learned those eight names prayed about those eight names and became intentional of asking God to give us opportunity to invest in their lives. See, what you do in your front yard is just as important as what you do in any other ministry that you're involved in. What we do with our neighborhood is real ministry. It counts. It makes a big difference. What could God do through us, through you and me, if we started having a spiritual business vision for our neighborhoods. You know, in the weeks that are 
about to take place. We're going to talk about next steps after figuring out maybe who that aid is. What are some of the things that keep us back from doing that? What are some of the things that help us to do that? So here's, here's an important point. So I was, before I give a, am I allowed to walk around? I don't care. Um, before I give a message, I always give it to my wife. She's my test. Okay. Sometimes she'll say, wow, you need to work on that. I don't like that, by the way. Other times she says, wow, that's a great message. But I always wait for that first response. So I said, she said, well, to be honest with you, I feel condemned. (laughs) Well, that's really good. So I'm going to think that maybe out here there's a couple of you that are thinking, oh, darn. And, And you're feeling a little bit like, man, I haven't done that. So I want to encourage you. My business partner and my spiritual mentor used to have a saying, and he said this, Ed, it's not where a man is, it's where he's headed. Remember that, Gary? We know that one well. It's not where a man is, it's where he's headed. Look, I haven't done this. This has not been something I've accomplished. Yeah, I'm doing it now in, in this, this neighborhood I'm in, but I didn't do it for, for a lot of years. But as I studied this and as I looked at it, and as I thought about it before, I realized, God, this is something you call me to. So, you know, I don't care what you've done or haven't done. And you know what? Either does God. He's, he's a go-forward God. But if you want to do this, now look, my wife said to me, I had four kids. I was up early in the morning. I was schlepping them to school and to sports, and I was supporting you, and you had a crazy schedule, and, and I had to always do this and do that. And she's right. That was a hard time to invest in neighbors. We have seasons of our lives. I understand that. We can't always do this every day all the time. But you know what? We're, we're in the U.S. of A. If you free up 20 minutes a day of my time, I can find 12 things to fill that within minutes. So can you usually. So my, here's one suggestion that, that if you intentionally look at your neighborhood, have a vision for your neighborhood, you can ask God, God, where do I have some space here I can free up? And instead of filling it with something else, I'm going to pray for my neighborhood. I'm going to reach out to my neighbor, my neighbors. See, God doesn't tell us to do anything he doesn't equip us to do. And, and here's another big important part about not being condemned by this. See, I don't mind if you're challenged. I don't even mind if you're convicted, but boy, I do mind if you're condemned. So I want to give you two words, can and should. Okay, can infers opportunity, encouragement. Should is a command, and if you don't reach that command, you feel condemned. So we want to get rid of the should, and we want to focus on the can. You see, I can have a vision. God's given me that ability. I can be intentional. I can share the gospel. And listen, by share the gospel, you know, again, this message will have a number of things that I might get some emails on. But, but sharing the gospel isn't going up to somebody you hardly know and saying, do you know Jesus? Now, if you're Bill Gibbons, you can get away with that. Some reason or other, Bill can do that. And before he knows it, he's leading somebody to the Lord. I can't do that. It doesn't work well for me. And for most of us, we're, we're not going to just walk up to an angel, because he's so big, but inside that, and say, do you know Jesus? But I could build a relationship with angel. Well, depends. I mean, 
He's a Yankees fan, so I, I could try. Oh, were you watching TV yesterday around 4.30? No, I didn't want to go, go into that. Um, so, but I'm not going to walk up to Angel or any of you before I even know you normally. But if I get a relationship with Angel, if we start to like each other and trust each other, then someday, if I've done the right job of planting a seed here and there, he's going to say, Dad, tell me about this Christianity stuff you're involved in. That's, that's how we build a friendship or relationship, and we have that ability. See, loving our neighbors and sharing quite Christ with them has to be, in most cases, natural, not contrived. How many of you came to know Jesus Christ because someone you were close to, family member, friend, somehow, shared with you the gospel at some point in time? Yeah. Okay. How many of you gave your life to Jesus Christ and now live as a Christian because you went to a Billy Graham crusade and went up front? Billy Graham, God bless him. I, don't, I won't be anywhere near his home in heaven because here's what you don't know. That's sometimes the beginning for people. That's sometimes how they go. But I will tell you this, and every time I've asked that question, people always raise their hand that someone they knew, that someone they had a relationship with, shared the gospel with them, and they found Christ. For me, it's the same way. Jack Hartman, my business partner, my mentor. See, most times God isn't asking you to walk up to somebody and share your faith. When God puts someone close to you in proximity, when, those, when that person that you can call your neighbor, God wants you to love them as, as Christ loves you. Please hear my heart. I'm as challenged on this as you are. I'm as convicted on this as you are. I have a chance right now to start over, and I'm going to. But you have a chance. Because no matter what's going on in your neighborhood, you can be intentional. So again, challenge, convicted, love it. Pray about it. We're going to be doing this for a couple more weeks and giving you some ideas of how do you overcome some of the fear just to be in a relationship. So here's my, my last statement slash question. It starts with the title. It, it is the same as our title. Please, would you be a neighbor? So Father, we come to you in prayer today. Lord, we know, we know that you love us. When I think about you loving us as much as you love Jesus, I don't even... I don't even understand that. And, and for you and I, Lord, it took a long time. It took six months of you building a relationship with me before I was able to come and surrender my life to you. Father, you have put us right in the midst of the world and shrink the world down, community and neighborhood. You've put us there, Father, for a reason. Lord, I know this, the Holy Spirit wants my neighbor saved a lot more than I do. And if I'm willing, I believe you will give me opportunity. You'll send me to the right ones. I'll have favor with the right ones. Maybe I just, well, I don't bake, but my wife does. Take a, take a cake, take a pie to them. You know, offer to give them something that you have that maybe they would want. Maybe ask them to help you. Sounds like that's kind of strange, but it starts relationships. So, Father, help us to be creative. Lord, help us to be willing to be willing. Father, as we go over these next few weeks, help us to hear your voice, not, not Ed Tyers' voice, not, 
not Steve's voice or Greg's voice or whoever is in this pulpit, but to hear the voice, your voice, Holy Spirit. And let us just be, be obedient to you. I pray this, I ask this all in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all. And if you would, make sure as you go out, you get a bag. If you're going downstairs for growth track, please grab one over here before you go out or go downstairs. We love you all. If you need prayer for any reason, please come down. We'd love to pray with you before you go. God bless you all.